Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pull up a stool and join us. 585-866-4FAN. 866-4326. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia on the Sports Leader. 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan, Rochester. All right, back in the sports bar covering the Buffalo Bills for the Syracuse Post Standard, NewYorkUpstate.com, the Shout Podcast. Matt Perino, good with his time, and we know that Matt, the, the, the offseason is starting to wind up a little bit here, and there's not a ton going around, but it was last week at this time that everything was happening in Orchard Park, and the Buffalo Bills were the lead story on every sports newscast. Uh, we wanted to get your take on on everything that went on with Diggs and McDermott since we haven't talked to you uh, on Tuesday. What was your what was your take on, on McDermott's backpedaling there on Wednesday when Steph Diggs actually was on the practice field? I think it comes down to this age-old adage, don't start none, won't be none, right? They they started it inside the building with the way that this kind of thing transpired over the course of 24, 48 hours. And it it goes back to this faulty like belief that, you know, if we keep everything in-house and, and don't let anybody in and, and we don't have to be truthful about everything, like there's some things we can control that – you know, that's just the way that it's going to be. That, that doesn't work in this day and age. I mean, people are going to pry. People are going to know people around the league. And what you're going to see start trickling out is what we've seen over the last week in that now everybody's got to report on this, right? Because the Bills really haven't said much. We, we can deduce some things from what we heard from people. I think, you know, the, the best line of last week, and I've said it multiple times on my podcast, came from Josh Allen when he said there's been a communication problem you know, within the organization. And that's evident. I mean, that's clear. And it goes back to, you know, if you want to start 13 seconds, I mean, the 16-point playoff loss against Houston, I mean, there's there's a bunch of things over the years that you can point to and say, okay, they need to be more buttoned up. And I think trying to hide from it all and keep it all indoors, it doesn't work. And, you know, people leave, people start talking, and now you've got all of these other, like, you know, theories on what actually is going on with Stefan Diggs, and we still haven't even heard from Stefan Diggs yet. Yeah, that that's going to be something, certainly, I, I'm looking forward to at, at camp. Uh, Matt, he, here's, like, the problem with McDermott just not kind of, like, he he opened up Pandora's box here. He didn't need to do that. I think we all kind of agreed. If he just went to the podium and said, Steph is here, he's not practicing today, he was excused, he'll be here tomorrow. And nobody would have thought 
anything. Like you said, somebody might have dug and eventually would come out. But here's here's my point. Like what happens, say, week four, the Bills lose at home to the Dolphins and Diggs gets targeted only four times. Matt, the problem is every time Stephon Diggs doesn't get targeted, which is totally normal in any typical game, that people are going to raise questions to Diggs, and now all of a sudden this outside noise comes in. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And the person that's got to manage all that is Sean McDermott while managing a team and calling plays for a defense. Like, if you want to really take a 30,000-foot view at all of this, this digs problem, if that's what you want to call it, is popping up at a really bad time for Sean McDermott and the Bills because I think that there's going to be – you know, I don't want to say a learning curve, but I think that juggling all this and asking other coaches to take on different roles as Sean McDermott probably is not as engaged when his team has the ball because, you know, things happen defensively. You've got to make changes. You've got to make adjustments. And I know he's going to lean on, you know, defensive coaches to help in those, in those spots as well. But Sean McDermott's going to be managing a ton this upcoming season. And We've seen it in the past. Like I think, you know, the Stefan Diggs Minnesota uh, experience. You know, there's probably some truth to it. There's probably some things that were stretched. But what we are seeing is that you know Stefan Diggs does have a certain way about him when things aren't going the way that he wants. You know, right or wrong. Like I think that there's a lot in this that when it comes out, maybe Stefan Diggs is right about some of this stuff. How how some of the things have been handled. It seems like. You know, Josh Allen is sticking by him and saying that, you know, that, that they have to be better by him, getting him involved more and making him part of the process more. Like, that to me is also something that Josh said last week that, you know, really stood out. Like, and why are, we, why are you only having this realization now? Why didn't you have it last year? That's another question I have, as this is the guy that's basically, you know, led your offense for the past three seasons. So there's a lot on Sean McDermott's plate and there is a roar that's intensifying nationally around him. I mean, from the Colin Cowherds of the world saying that the Bills need a different coach because defensive coaches don't work, I just saw Ross Tucker, who I think is one of the best <laughs> guys in media like that does it. Saw it uh, too. It's a former player, and he, he ranked him 22 yeah. out of 32 coaches. Yeah. And he went out with Joe Marino from the Draft Network and actually made some really good points as to what the logic behind that. I don't agree with 22, but listen, for all the good that Sean McDermott has done, there have been some questionable things about his, his tenure. So a lot of pressure on Sean McDermott. Do you think, uh, Matt, and this, this came to us from Craig Carton from WFAN and, and Fox Sports. He made the point that, you know, Diggs is upset that the Bills weren't able to secure a DeAndre Hopkins-like talent to put some of the pressure off of him, relieve him of some of those double teams, because he can't complain about the targets. He was second in the league in targets, but if you get a, a talent comparable to him on the other side of the field, well, those targets become receptions, and, and you have more yardage, more touchdowns, and, and more stats, and you're contributing more so uh, to your team other than being a decoy that's taken away you know, a, a double team. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Because I know we kind of believe, well, Diggs is an alpha. He wants the ball. I don't know that he really wants to share that spotlight. That's the weirdest thing to come out um, post, you know, mini camp yeah. to me because it's not a guy that's generally plugged in. I think he's like a talk radio host, right? Like, I don't know if he's like breaking national stories like that. And none of this kind of stuff has come from any of the usual folks. I mean, the Glazers, the Rappaport, the Schefters, you know, the Jordan Schultz 
So it's like maybe it's, you know, the Bills were connected so hard to Hopkins throughout the process. Maybe it's just process of elimination. I mean, Michael Lombardi throwing out the, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. Sean McDermott took play calling away from Leslie Frazier. That never came up before before now. That's that's kind of odd, too. It's something that is probably going to come up during training camp again. I'm sure McDermott's going to be thrilled to answer questions <laughs> about that back uh, a couple years ago. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, if, if you're Stephon Diggs and you want the ball more, which is which I think he wants. I, I I don't know if it's necessarily like more targets, but like more impact in the game. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins is going to no doubt about it lessen his impact on the game, in my opinion. Not in necessarily a bad way. I think that there's a world we can live in where they do coincide and coexist in in a, in a harmonious way. But if there's any truth to the rumors, and I know Tim Graham reported that it's not a Ken Dorsey thing. But if there is any truth to rumors of him being unhappy with the play calling, do you think he's confident in the second-year play caller to, to somehow figure out how to feed all the mouths in the offense if they add Hopkins? I don't know. There's just so many. But it's hard to speculate because there's so many different things that have popped up that have been whispered about about the story. Yeah, I, the the one in danger, and I played this back a bunch of times, like because, and look, the Lombardi one, that's interesting. Carton, those aren't guys that are actually – connected to the Bills. No offense. Maybe they have a source. Who knows? But a guy who is connected is Steve Tasker. When Tasker went on this rant, I don't know if you heard it, but basically the gist of it was, hey, he's coming from a place where he knows to fix it. The Bills should listen to Steph Diggs. Uh, Matt, did you... Your your thoughts on if Steph Diggs is coming from a good place or not, indeed, if that is true. I did not hear the Tasker bit. Uh, he was saying that the Bills should listen to Diggs. Here's Tasker. Bear with us here on this one, Matt. It's just under two minutes. This is Tasker's rant uh, the day after, uh, the day of, right? Was this Tuesday of or was this the it was day of? the day of. The day, the day of. of. So this was the Tuesday, me, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's Tasker's rant on One Bill's Life. Yeah, they're making a ton of money. Absolutely. Money don't mean nothing if you want to win. And if Steph had a beef or if one of these players has a beef with the way they're doing things and doesn't think it gives them the best chance to win, whether you're making $20 million or whether they're making $2 million, you should speak up. So don't give me this about they're making all this money, they should show up to work. If they think something's going wrong that they want to fix and nobody's fixing it, they better speak up because they want to win more than they want the money. You just said Steph Diggs wants to win and all that. Well, if he wants to win, what's that mean? It means doing everything you can to make sure everything's going the way it should be going so you win games. And these players know just more than you or me about what it's going to take. They do want to win. That's why they're squawking. That's the only reason they squawk. It's because they want to win and they don't think somebody or something is going the right way and nobody's addressing it. So they stand up and they say, wait, fix it because we got a problem. That's what great players do. They want to win. And if somebody's not pulling their weight, they're going to hear about it. If something's not being done the way a winner, a winning team or winning organizations should do it, a captain should stand up and say, fix it. That's how it's supposed to work. Nobody has said that Steph Diggs all of a sudden took it out of gear. He's been making a lot of money for a lot of years, and he's been playing hard. Lights out. Hard for this club. That's when you get frustrated. When you're a player like Steph Diggs of his caliber, when you're a player of Vaughn Miller's caliber, when you're a player of Josh Allen's caliber, and you're balling out, and it doesn't work, and something's not working, and somebody comes out and something looks different, or something is not right, that's when you stand up and say, listen, what am I doing here? I'm making all this money. I'm putting up all these numbers. I'm doing everything I can to help this team win. And you got this over here going on? Fix it. Right. Great players know how to win. Those guys know what's going on. When they see something wrong, they address it. Now, some guys, you can say, address it differently than Steph Diggs did. But I'll tell you what. 
Whatever it was that Steph Diggs brought to the table, he's practicing today. There you go. So Wednesday was the actual day. Um, Matt, you hear that and, and like your reaction to that, because I don't think Steve Tasker is saying all that without having some sort of inside knowledge here of the situation. Yeah, like I really need to know like what is that that he's upset about. Like that's the piece to this that I keep coming back to. It's like we could sit here and, and probably go over like four or five things, right? Like I think the the Chad Hall thing makes a lot of sense to be a part of this at least. Like maybe he wasn't, you know, consulted. How did that end? You know, I don't think he necessarily probably has a problem with Adam Henry. I mean, he's a respected receivers coach around the league. But you know Stephon Diggs was tight with Chad Hall. I don't think this is the only thing that happened this offseason that Stephon Diggs is, isn't happy about. But maybe it compounded the whole situation. There, you know, There's also this other thing, and, and it, I hate to throw out theories, but, like, what's the thing that happened last year, the biggest change in the offense? Ken Dorsey took over the offense, right? right? He was in the position room with Josh Allen for three years. They were close. Allen basically vouched for him. I want Ken Dorsey. And when things kind of went off the rails a little bit, you know, maybe, and again, without knowing this is just a, you know, a theory, maybe Josh Allen was kind of having to play, you know, uh, different parts, if you will, right? Like talking to, you know, in, in, in the wide receivers meeting room and then the offensive meeting room and then, you know, the, you know, on the field at practice. And maybe that didn't all line up and maybe he was just like, but it's not a Ken Dorsey thing, reportedly. So maybe that theory doesn't hold up either. I, I find it very hard to to really have a take on any of this without hearing from Stefan Diggs. And honestly, that's the piece of this. He doesn't have to talk to the media. He doesn't have to answer to the fans. I mean, maybe some people would say that he does, that he that he has to. I'm not going to sit here and proclaim that, but. He, if your number one goal is to win in the NFL, the hardest league, in my opinion, to win in because of all the, 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 the variables that have to go into it, all these elite, elite players, wide receivers, that never have a sniff of a Super Bowl championship. Your number one priority is winning. If you're the one that's kind of creating now this distraction because all these other stories are starting to come out about it, there's a, that's a piece to it. I'm not just putting this all on day. There's other people that have a huge role in this. But the longer this plays out and the more that he doesn't come out and say what this is, what this is all about, maybe he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. I, I respect that as well. But this is now ballooning into potentially a huge distraction. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that he was on the field for that second day of minicamp Then they called it. This has linger potential to, uh, Bataglia, your point earlier, what happens when things go off the tracks here at any point this season and the questions go back to that weird patch in the summer it's not going away they're gonna to have to answer for it eventually during the season yeah the one thing i wanted to follow up because in that rant tasker has a phrase and he could just be saying it but i've heard this speculation and you have to and i i don't have anything on it if someone isn't pulling their weight do we have anything or any evidence, any theories even, Matt, that somebody, whether that's a coach, a player, that Steph Diggs had an issue with something like that? No. I mean, nothing that I would even be willing to speculate on. Like, that's the kind of stuff that's so locked up right now. It doesn't matter who you talk to. You know, in the building, nobody's talking about it. Obviously, this is serious enough a situation where, 
you know, you had multiple people. You had Vaughn talking for 15 minutes, Josh talking for 12 minutes, McDermott coming back out and doing an impromptu press conference, and none of them were willing to kind of go into the details. And maybe it's going to just be left to Diggs, whether or not he wants to, or maybe it's another Sean McDermott kind of like uh, marching orders that are given where we keep this in house. It's not going to, we're going to handle it in here. And maybe they are able to handle it. That could be another outcome. Like maybe this is as unhealthy as it looks from the outside looking in. We're not in the building. We don't, we're not privy to those conversations. Maybe all of the things that need to be ironed out, were ironed out. They're ready to get to training camp and all systems go, you know, they'll move forward. Diggs will do a press conference. He'll nip any concerns in the bud and it'll be smooth sailing. You never know, but no, nothing. I've heard nothing. Matt, there's another um, Bills story that kind of came out. I don't know how much traction it'll get or even how big of a story it is, but it has to do with the new stadium and the idea that right now the Buffalo Bills have more season ticket holders than they do actual seats in New Highmark Stadium. Is this a story, you know, is this just a matter of business and, and some people might be priced out of their season tickets? There's probably a waiting list of people ready to pounce season tickets that become available. How do you think the Bills manage through this here over the course of the next year or two? Well, this is always going to be a problem, especially with the way that the team has kind of exploded in terms of success the last couple of years, season tickets being, you know, at all-time high, and then you're going to reduce how many can get in on game day. Like this was always kind of leading towards a potential problem. I, I think it probably gets figured out because I do think I talked to fans that, you know, as much as, as big a Bills fans as they are, when you start, you know, talking about PSLs and you know everything like that, like maybe pulling together a season ticket between, you know, a group of people that at one time had season tickets, like that could be in play too. I think in the end, maybe it's not as big of a story because I think it, these things tend to work themselves out. But, yeah, that's definitely a bummer if somebody's on the outside looking in, wants season tickets, they end up being on a, like a waiting list uh, just because there's not, they, they, you can't accommodate how many people want the ticket. So that's going to be something that we're going to track. And, you know, I, I do think the Bills, for all their faults sometimes, like all the stuff we've been talking about the last 20 minutes, they do do a good job of trying to problem solve uh, for their fans. I think over the years I've heard great stories from season ticket holders about not only just the perks, but just the treatment, right? Like in the involvement with the team. So I think that you know, Ron Rakuya, his team, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to figure uh, something out there. Matt, last one for me, and that uh, is about the rest of mini it's like, wait a second, they, Like we had all these other positions and players and rookies and things we'd be talking about normally, and I'll just ask the question open-ended uh, to you. What were some of the other storylines in your mind uh, that stood out from last week aside from Diggs? It's going to be the biggest one going into training camp, guys. Like, what's going on with Kyrie Elam? Like, where do the Bills see him? Um, from my vantage point, it's a mixed bag. I think there are people there that are high on him, and I think that there are people there that like whether it's Dane Jackson, Christian Benford. You know, I, I put out a kind of like a hot take or a bold take, and I and I said, listen, I think one of the I th- well, on Sal Capaccio's show last week, and I said, I think one of the mistakes the Bills made, and they probably don't view it this way. This is my opinion, is re-signing Dane Jackson to begin with. I get wanting depth, but We've seen the ceiling of Dane Jackson. We know what he can be. He's a reliable Levi Wallace-esque type of player. And I think it's a disservice, and I think they should have learned this lesson from 
draft pick uh, fouls of the past, Cody Ford is obvious, the most obvious one, where they go and draft a guy in the first or second round, and then they just kind of like mess around long enough to where they find someone else they like at the spot, start having to like change things, and in Ford's case, move them inside. It never worked at guard. And in Elam now, like, is he going to be the starter on day one to start the season? I'm not so sure, guys. I, and if you were to ask me to project CB2 right now, I, I think I have Christian Benford ahead of him and Dane Jackson. And I probably have De- Jackson 2 and Elam 3. We'll see where it goes. And most of that is based off just how they talk about him. Like, Brandon Bean had this one weird line when he was talking about it a couple weeks ago where he was like, listen, I wish I could tell you that, you know, Kyer Elam is, is – He's got bad practice habits. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if that's the exact quote. Or he doesn't practice hard, but he's great in practice. It's like, okay, but, like, is that because, like, there's other things that you're seeing on tape or in games that doesn't lead you to a place where you can trust him to be your second cornerback over a seventh-rounder and a sixth-round draft pick? I I just think that there's been so much noise about his draft record now over the last couple of years. If Elam ends up being this flop in the Super Bowl window, and one of those other two guys doesn't step up to be a, like a dependable starter, man, this is going to be something that I think we track all year long. Maybe Elam comes in, wins the job, and it's all you know sunshine, but something I'm definitely watching. It's interesting, Matt. Whether we're talking about Diggs or Kyer Elam versus a Benford or a Dane Jackson, I wonder, I, I only wonder this, I wonder if Sean McDermott, and you know Sean McDermott has his guys that he's immediately going to gravitate towards the the underdog the guy that is the late round guy the guy that had to work for it the reggie the reggie gilliams of the world right the process guys easier to deal with and manage those guys easier for him to relate to and manage working with those guys than it is working with the quote-unquote diva wide receiver or the first round draft pick at corner i mean that's it's an interesting topic and you know I think it's something you go back to his Carolina days, Josh Norman, him becoming the player that he became was like, it almost set this blueprint for him. Like, you know, going and finding a scrappy guy that's going to fight and scratch and claw and just be physical and be nasty. And, but like, that's never been Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson. And I like both of those players. I, I think Norman was a little bit of a unicorn in that way. Um, just the way that he affected games. Like, he wasn't the best athlete, but he just... Uh, and, and just because I remember the time, Matt, not to interrupt, but I remember the time specifically that Norman became Norman, and he had a really, really strong teammate at that time. And I only know this because he's a former Chicago Bear, but uh, Peanut Tillman, Tillman was yeah. there, and Peanut Tillman, mm-hmm. as a player, maybe had more to do with the, 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 the ascension of Josh Norman than actually Sean McDermott did. He might be taking some, some, stealing some valor there from Peanut Tillman. That's a great point, too. And I think that, like, this comes down to another point, and we could go for a long time here, guys. So cut me off <laughs> if, you, if you need me to get off. But, like, there's this I, – I, Jeremy was having this conversation on, in Buffalo, I think it was this morning, actually, about, like, just the Sean McDermott – the Diggs problem turning into a McDermott problem, and then, like, ultimately the dynamic between Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and, like, who were to be the fall guy and who has the higher approval rating right now. And, like, when do you get to a point, if you're Brandon Bean, where you have to walk down to that office and say, I drafted this guy, get him on the field. Can he even do that? Is that the dynamic? We don't really have that kind of scope into their relationship. I think that there's definitely a separation of church and state when it comes to, you know, who they're going to play on game days. 
But if I'm Brandon Bean, I want Kyrie Elam on the field. I drafted him. I drafted that speed to go up against some of the elite quarterbacks you're going to face in the AFC gauntlet this year. And I don't think anybody needs to see Dane Jackson getting beat like he was at times last year and Levi Wallace before him. Like, Levi Wallace, he's, he's kind of the poster child for 13 seconds, right? I mean, Travis Kelsey versus Levi Wallace is going to haunt dreams of Bill's yeah. Mafia for decades. Yeah, Matt Perino, like you said, we could talk to you for a long, long time. I know you got the shot. Before we, we talk about what you got coming up this week, Danger and I thank you for everything here as we'll kind of take a little bit of a break. And uh, also, what like, are, where are the Perinos? You're going back to New York City? What are you? What's the summer plans yeah, here, buddy? NYC is a staple uh, Perino off-season uh, adventure. We're going back in early July. Just a three-way Three-day uh, getaway, just do everything we can in three days. We basically, like, you know, park the car, walk around the city, 30,000 steps a day, get the kids a little uh, little culture. I think we might go to bro- a Broadway show this time around. Nice. Awesome. Well, enjoy your time, man. We appreciate all the time you've given us. And we, there's a Live Shout podcast coming Correct, up here, right? Yeah. Friday night. It's probably going to be our biggest one to date. We're going to have the patio. Uh, it's going to be bumping. Obviously, wings, beers, as always. We'll do a big show. Talk, put all this stuff in perspective. We might even have a guest or two. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I uh, can't wait. We'll talk to you after the holidays, man, and uh, looking forward to seeing you at St. John Fisher in person. Good stuff. Can't wait, boys. Have a good uh, July. You got right, it. There Thanks, he is. Matt. Matt Perino covering the Buffalo Bills for the Syracuse Post Standard and, of course, the Shout Podcast, which will be live wing nuts. That's uh, Friday. Holy cow. That was like that's 30 minutes there, essentially, of a lot you could dive into. But the idea that that flew below the radar. Wait a second. Kyer Elam behind the curve here. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. And, and another thing to note when we get to training camp here at the end of July. Looking forward to that. And uh, really appreciate Matt Perino and all the time he gives us here in the sports bar throughout the course of the season and much of the offseason as well. All right, we'll get to I'll drink to that next in the sports bar. Some takes on tap. Takes on tap is uh, I didn't think we'd be talking Amherst today, Mm. but I've got a take on uh, the news here for the Rochester Americans that uh, Michael Pekka is leaving. Where do the Amherst go from here? I've got thoughts on that. And okay, yes, guilty, shame me, shame danger. Fantasy football take. <laughs> but actually, it's a real football take. Okay. When, you're just, you, when you're talking numbers here, it's important. You know, when I'm looking at fantasy and I'm like, all right, the answer is not Diggs, but who was the most targeted wide receiver 2020 through last year? Okay. And uh, I've got a take on that. Uh, the salary cap in the NFL is a zero sum game. And there's a couple of players right now that are flirting with the idea of holding out, not signing the franchise tag. And the clock continues to tick. You're you're under a month away now from the deadline to get a long-term deal done if you're Saquon Barkley, if you're Josh Jacobs. I'll get into why these guys have zero leverage in their negotiation if they're trying to indeed negotiate that long-term deal. We'll get into that and more next. Uh, Also, a six-pack of best bets. Tonight's action in Major League Baseball. It is Dinger Tuesday today on FanDuel, so I'll share some players that I like to go yard as well in the danger zone. Because you're in the uh, danger zone! That's next. I'll drink to that in the sports bar Danger and Pataglia on the fan. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts a-u-d-a-c-y odyssey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.